it is Memorial Day weekend and we want to remember today all those that had fallen protecting our freedoms that we're enjoying here today. We're blessed to live in a nation of freedoms. Sometimes we can look around and see all the bad and all the problems and all the division and divisiveness of things going on that people try to cause us to focus on, but in reality, we are the freest people that has ever lived on the planet. We've got the freedom to make decisions, to go about and conduct our lives in a way that we see fit, have the freedom to make decisions of church or no church, work or no work, just come and go as we please and we take it for granted. There's people all over the planet today that woke up on this same day of the year that has zero of that. And we should be more grateful. And the price for that freedom was not cheap. It cost some all. Study my genealogy and my family history. There's several that have fallen in combat and in battles so that I could have the freedom to sit here today in a public facility and speak God's truth. And I need to be more grateful. Is there anybody in the house that needs to be more grateful? We all should be more grateful. Veterans Day is a different day that comes around, but this is the one in memory of those that have fallen. Do you have the slides, Leslie, to put up? I said, do you have the slide I to put up? On You're working on it. Okay. We're in the midst of working on it. It's not our fault. It's yours. <laughs> I'm going to read this verse, and this is our verse for today. Psalms 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. So this is a one-part sermon, so this is not a series. This is just something we're speaking on today, and next week we'll shift gears into something else, but... 
when you go to the movies, you uh, as a as a as a manly man, I guess that I want to portray myself to be. Don't want to go to watch some chick flick, and all the men say amen. If you're afraid to speak up, we'll know who you are. <laughs> so this movie is a old movie back in the early 90s, and uh, I was in high school when this movie came out. Um, Stephen Skull and it caused me to think about for you know the high school graduates this weekend and. My little niece is graduating today, and we're blessed with public education, and and the price is free. We got amen. We got some teachers in the crowd. All the teachers, we appreciate you. You're doing it for not enough pay and too much work. The bus driver's getting right in there. Amen. Come on with it. Janitors, can I hear a good amen from the back from the janitors back there? There we go. We're all represented here today. But I truly, truly am thankful for a school system that teaches. Because there's generations before us that did not have those opportunities. There were not, it wasn't normal. Just few generations ago, my grandpa talking about, you know, going to eighth grade and finishing up and deciding he knew all he needed to know. He, he had he'd got enough. That was the end of his education experience was eighth grade. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. If you get the basics, if you practice those, he would go on to success. He worked his whole career and ended up with a retirement and living and leading a pretty good life, raising six kids, trusting in the Lord and doing good and dwelling in the land and enjoying safe pasture. That was my grandfather's life. But in this movie, Under Siege, even though sometimes we trust in the Lord and we do good, the enemy will come in like a roaring lion. And the Bible says he's seeking whom he may devour. So Memorial Day is a day where that many lost their lives in a battle under siege but they fought the good fight and in Christianity we fight the good fight of faith is what the Apostle Paul says and we're to endure till the end when tough times come what shall we do I say trust in the Lord and keep doing good But in this movie, Steven Seagal is portraying this person and he 
was on this ship and he got assigned to be a cook. Mess hall, I guess it's called, right, Chuck? <laughs> so this assignment that he had was one that portrayed him to be somebody that wasn't on the front lines or wasn't one attuned to being ready for the battle that they were to face. Can I tell you today, in your Christianity, in your walk with Christ, when the enemy comes at you, and he looks at you, and he may see your weakness, but Christ in us is the hope of glory. And if we've got him, we have enough. Enough to get through the storm. So as Leslie was saying, sometimes when we face these battles and these seasons of life that are tough, keep being tough. Endure it. Keep trusting in the Lord. But when you're under underestimated by the enemy, it's a good time for a surprise. I may look like a cook, but don't let my outfit fool you. I wore my Raylan shirt today just in remembrance of my very successful first 5K of my life of winning, winning gold. I won first place. The shirt it's a little tighter than it was the night I wore it, and she did give me a large then, and I could probably fit it then, but it's a little more snug today than it was at that point in time. But as I was standing there looking around and Dusty doing his exercises and the teenagers from the football team laying there doing their stretches, and everybody was looking around, and they was underestimating me. <laughs> they don't know who they was up against. Ricky Shea thinking, I'm going to size this guy up. Pastor, who's he? Pastor Ben? Hmm, yeah. But she ran with me throughout the whole race, and we would run a block and walk a block. So if you've never run a 5K, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, my hips hurt, and I'm not in very good shape. But I promise you, you can do it. And I've always wanted to do it. I've talked often about it. And, but we went down there and signed up. And when they put the shirt on you, and you see that young kid laying over there beside of you, 18 years old or 17, 16, something. He's pretty young. And he was slim. And he started doing those exercises and laying there with his feet crossways and stretching the other way. And I just laid down on the ground beside of him and started stretching. <laughs> he looked over and he's like, who is this fool? I thought, as I was laying there, I thought, I'm just going to try to stay with him. And I made it about 20 foot with him before he left me. Then he passed me three more times throughout the 5K. <laughs> but 
But endurance is about keeping on running even when your side hurts, when your knees hurt, when your ankles hurt, when you feel like you don't have any more breath. But you know there's a finish line and you know you have to cross it. And Elizabeth, she works out a lot. CrossFit does all that stuff. So her and her sister, they had this gate that they was going and they ran the whole time, you know, just this steady pace. Here I'd take off running for my block, then I'd walk a block, there they go. Then I'd run a block, I'd go by them, then they'd walk, they'd take off by me again. It's just on and on and on throughout the whole day, wasn't it? That way, day, it seemed like a day to me, but it was just a few minutes really. But, but it comes down to the end and I was, I was thinking, man, I have to because Ryan once outrun Elizabeth. I thought, I have to do this. And I tried really hard, but the farther we got in the race, the more it was harder to catch up and pass her, you know, on my running blocks. And she got away from me. And then Ricky Shea was like, whew, let's walk another block. So I'd walk another block because I wasn't going to leave poor Ricky behind. And I know Derek and Stephanie would kill me if I'd left their daughter down there on a dark block by herself, so... I was sweating from head to toe. I was out of breath. And when we was like cutting the corner and had like two or three running blocks left, I thought, I've got to catch up with Elizabeth because I've got to pass her. I cannot stand to lose. Does any people in here just love losing? I do not like to lose. So I told Ricky, we're going to run. She's like, okay. So we take off running. And I turn the corner, and it's down by the old jail there, and you're going down that street to the front stretch, and you're on that last run. And I turned the corner by the courthouse, and I kept running. I, I seen Elizabeth up there, and she was out in front of me. And then we turned the last corner, and it was one of the walking blocks. And I thought, I'm just going to keep on running. I got to get up there. And I, I run with everything in me, all I had left, and I was pursuing and going. But she got across the line before I got there. She cheated. And when you have a goal in mind like that, it's like you're crossing that line, and even though you finished, it still seems like you're a loser. And can anybody say amen? Even though you win, it still seems like losing sometimes. And, but I crossed that line, and I laid down on the ground, and I couldn't breathe, and I got a water and toughed it out there for a few minutes, and then the award ceremony came. Thank God for age groups. And thank God nobody, a male, in my age group showed up other than me. <laughs> so my first 5K of my life, I won first place. Trust in the Lord and do good. And dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. You have the freedoms to do as you wish. And you can do so much more than you ever think possible. You may look like a cook, but don't let that outfit fool you. I wanted to share a 
a missionary story today for this under siege. And I just want to read this story that was recently in a uh, Pentecostal Evangel magazine that we read some, from time to time. And this is a story about a family, a young family, but I'm just going to read the story as it was in there, so please stay with me. At the age of 24, Joe Knapp began dating a 22-year-old Emily, can't say her last name, Maffrey or something like that, when both regularly engaged in the party scene in Boise, Idaho. At the time, Joe had never really heard the gospel. Emily, unbeknownst to Joe, lived in a rebellious phase that contradicted her Assembly of God upbringing. Emily one day talked Joe into taking a snowmobiling vacation to see her parents, who lived in a mountain cabin in Idaho near the Salmon River. In the car about an hour away from their destination, Emily dropped a bombshell. Her father, Larry, made a living as a pastor. Her mother, Betsy, could be called religious. And she informed Joe not to swear or expect to sleep in the same bedroom as Emily. Sounds like unwholesome talk, doesn't it? Despite Emily's warning not to discuss spiritual matters, Joe quickly raised the subject with Emily's parents. I fancied myself as someone with a scientific mind, recalls Knapp. For three days, they shared the gospel and patiently answered all my questions from a perspective that I've never heard or considered. On the way back home, after dropping Emily off, Knapp tried communicating with the Lord for the first time in his life. He said this, God, if you are real, show me and I'll follow you. The Holy Spirit came into that car and I had a powerful experience, an encounter with God, Knapp remembers. I had to pull over because I was shaking and crying. Seven months later, Joe and Emily were married. Joe already embarked on a networked engineer career, engineering career, and by the age of 29, he had received a promotion as Director of Information Technology for the city of Sandy, Oregon, with the city itself providing internet service to local residents. The Knapps began attending Sandy Assembly of God. Joe played guitar in the worship team and got more involved in church life to the point where he switched to a four, 10-hour-day work shift in order to devote Fridays to ministry matters. The church youth pastor had quit the night before Knapp began volunteering once a week at church. Then Pastor Jeremy Siebert, now an Assembly of God world missionary to Norway, offered Knapp the position for youth pastor. For the next five years, Knapp worked bivocationally. He participated in a year-long AG Oregon Ministry Network Young Leaders Initiative, which culminated with an eight-day foreign mission trip in 2017. Knapp had been scheduled to visit Brazil 
but the Zika virus epidemic in South America, in the South American country, forced a last-minute switch to Ecuador. Amy. Missionary calling. So when he went, Knapp had no inclination of becoming a missionary, and certainly not to Latin America. He anticipated continuing with his IT career at the city of Sandy, which he had gained recognition for implementing a revolutionary fiber optic network. Knapp had been invited to speak at multiple IT conferences, including one at the White House. But on his Ecuadorian trip, Knapp listened to missionary after missionary reciting stories about their calling. Discussion aroused latent bias that he had learned during the upbringing in Oregon against Mexican migrant workers. On that mission trip, the Lord began pulling prejudices out of my heart, Knapp said. The Lord showed me how beautiful he had made the Hispanic people. Knapp sought God farther, and God directed him to this verse that we read today. Psalms 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I asked the Lord if he was calling my wife and me to be missionaries, and he clearly said yes. Joe called and broke the news to Emily in a phone call back home to Oregon. And as always, his wife Emily said, yes, I know. When are we leaving? Emily had felt similar promptings from the Lord in her daily devotions. The next day, Knapp traveled from the capital, Quito, to Concia's scenic city in the highlands. And Joe immediately texted Emily that he sensed God calling them to this city. This occurred even before Knapp toured the facilities of Ancion TV, a ministry founded by AG World Missionary Bill McDonald. In 2003, Knapp immediately saw the potential of expanding the television network. Meanwhile, Emily sought, thought Joe may have been proceeding a bit too fast. I don't want to rush into anything, Emily texted back. I wish God would give us writing on the wall. Clarity. Following day, McDonald took Knapp to a museum in Casilla where Panama hats were manufactured. A mural on the wall at the museum had the word Sandy in bright red letters. Joe immediately snapped a picture on his phone and messaged his wife. You mean writing on the wall like this? Joe texted, because it's the name of the city where they were living and serving. As McDonald saw Knapp off on a bus the following day, as a goodwill gesture, he took off his Zuncion jacket and gave it to Knapp. 
Nat believed it to be a confirming sign of the need to move with the couple's three children, Katie, who is now 13, Anna, 11, and Isaac, age 9. And in August of 2020, the Naps became AG World Missionaries to Ecuador. And now Joe is the co-manager of the television station with missionary Tom Davis, a former media pastor in Georgia, and is currently itinerated for what he expects to be his last four-year missionary term before retiring. Although a Christian TV station available to a region of around 700,000 viewers, the bulk of Unseon's programming isn't overly religious. The programs are secular. I've watched it before. It's got like soap operas. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, really. We're not trying to reach people who don't we're trying to reach people who don't know Christ. The station operates Unseon Plus too, which offers a ministry outreach such as free phone counseling, addiction recovery classes. In all, Unseon has 27 full-time employees and 20 freelance contractors. After its launch, Unseon quickly became the most watched station and could see airing 24 hours a day on a cable and a satellite network. Family-friendly programming is supported by commercials as well as individual donations. Recently, Unseon began reaching other countries throughout social networks and launched a 24-hour-a-day live stream on all its apps and its websites. Emily and Joe are an absolute godsend to Unseon Television, says McDonald. It requires unique leadership because they need to know about both communication and ministry. McDonald, Bill McDonald, 68, retired as an AG World Missionary in 2019 after 33 years in Ecuador. A heart condition of McDonald's wife, Connie, at an elevation of 8,400 feet, prompted a return to the States. He says the TV operation needed someone such as the uniquely qualified and trained NAP to step in to assist. Every ministry success eventually hinges on transition, says McDonald. He now is leading a church in Alabama. If I've ever seen a miraculous call to missions ministry, Joe and Emily are it. They have the training and the tools needed to lead Unseon after Tom retires. Although Emily minored in Spanish in college, Joe knew none of the language. He still takes weekly classes through AG World Ministry Language School in Costa Rica. It's been a humbling experience. Technology and ministry both come naturally, but learning another language is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So this young family... And this young man was, upon graduating college, and he met this girl and ended up in the party scene, it says in this story, in this article. And unbeknownst to him, he has no idea that he's going to travel into the mountains of his girlfriend's family, and he's going to be under siege in a Christian home. God gives us opportunities 
to share the gospel. The question is, will we? Will we operate in fear or will we operate in faith? And I'm not talking about beating people over the head with the Bible. Leslie's told that story often about taking Cindy, or Cindy taking Leslie on kayaking trips. And Leslie would often come home and say, I'm just going to love her. Because she's my friend. And it took some time. <laughs> and it wasn't overnight. But Cindy's sitting here today because Leslie fought the good of fight of faith. Not in browbeating but in showing love and compassion to somebody she knew would need it. But this story about this young man that ended up under siege for three days in his girlfriend's parents' house, a pastor, and he had to live by the standards underneath the roof that they was in. Imagine being a 24-year-old man that just graduated college and had a degree and had your life in front of you. And next thing you know, you're under siege in a Christian home. Didn't know anything about it. But he was inquisitive and he asked questions. So young people, when you're living in your parents' home, it may feel like you're under siege because you are. Say amen, Jodon. It's just the way it is. Somebody just said this past week, as long as you're under my roof, the guy was telling me, you're going to obey my rules. Because when you get your own home, then you can do whatever you want. But as long as you're with me, it's my way. And this young man, on the drive home, began to ponder about the things that this Christian pastor had told him while he was under siege. And imagine an encounter with God where that you cannot even drive and you have to pull over with tears flowing down your face because you met God for the first time. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But it doesn't end there because in the midst of his coming to Christ, he then gets in ministry and I thank God for all of you who serve here at the bridge whether it be in giving in providing missionaries for missionaries for doing all the work of the ministry here and setting up before church service of getting the coffee bar ready of coming in and checking in children's church and maybe you're just out front smiling at people and greeting them the ones over teaching nursery and children's church this doesn't just happen, it takes work, and there's work in ministry. And I thank God for every one of you who helped the bridge be the place that it is. It is the church that I dreamed of pastoring. And I thank God for giving me the opportunity to do so. The cool part of this story is once this young man ends up on this mission field, 
And God directed it all. He changed the path, and they had planned and had this place they was going, but the next thing he knows, he ends up in Ecuador, and he ends up at this TV station that's a ministry network. The really cool part of this article is that when this church was founded by Tom and Garth Swergen and Betty and my mom and others, the first missionary they took on that they began to support as a church his name was Bill McDonald. That was in 1997. In 2003, Bill McDonald started this TV station that we're talking about. That's reaching 700,000 people a day. Despise not the days of small beginnings. And Mom and Betty and them can attest to you about what it was like to try to drum up that $50 support that they was going to send to this missionary when they needed to spend $50 on themselves and the church getting it planted here. But they trusted God. And they did what this verse says. They did good. And they dwelt in the land and they enjoyed good pasture. I thank God for a generation that trusted God, that gives planted seeds of hope that allowed us to sit and enjoy the comforts that we have today. But this young man takes over this TV station, and now with his degree and with his ideal and with his uh, new training in the new age stuff, it's going to reach even more. It's one of the number one watched TV stations in Spanish-speaking regions of South America. But what if Bill McDonald would have just said, you know what, TV, that's the devils. Pastor Wells always tells about that when he was young that his preacher would always say, you know, you can tell what home the devil's in because he's got his tail sticking up out of the roof. That was an antenna. Anybody remember an antenna that you had to go out and twist and somebody holler out the window, turn a little more, you know. Get the fuzz off the screen. But he didn't look at that as a demonic tool, but as a tool that could be applied to the gospel. And now thousands upon thousands are hearing the gospel every day because of his decision to not give that territory to the enemy. Graduating students, I want to read this to you, what I wrote down. Live your lives faithfully serving Christ and continue to serve your local church or a ministry that you're nearby. If you're going away and attending a college, I want you to understand that your faith will be under siege by a world of secular philosophy. But I want you to know somewhere on that college campus, there will be a student ministry somewhere in the corner. Look them up and get involved. The one that we support mostly is called Chi Alpha. It's not a fraternity, it's a Christian ministry organization. And we have missionaries as Assembly of God on college campuses that spend their entire mission life and work serving the kids that come and go on those college campuses. We've had them to come and speak at the church before, and they speak often about the beauty of seeing some kid come in that's been raised in a home that knows nothing about God, and he, 
comes into account with this missionary on the college campus for the first time. It's the largest unreached people group in America. The college campus is the number one largest unreached people group in America. So we have Chi Alpha. The, the Baptist Student Union is another ministry that the Baptists have. Methodists have theirs. All different denominations have a ministry involved on a college campus. Find one. Get in it. Serve. Love God and love people wherever you go. For those of you that are graduating and planning on beginning your career, maybe going to work, your first full-time job, know that your faith will be tested as if you're under siege. Stand your ground. Trust the Holy Spirit's convictions that he allows you to know that are truth. This past week I was listening to a podcast and Rick Warren said this. He's the author of The Purpose Driven Life, if any of you heard of that. It's like number one bestseller of all times other than the Bible. It's a phenomenal book, Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren. And in this podcast, he said this statement. It just, it, it dumbfounded me. Sometimes he, something, somebody with the wisdom of Rick Warren, he'll say something that's just normal to him, but it, it just impacted me. And I want you to listen to this statement. It says, your lessons are in your past. Your opportunities are in your future. Everybody say that with me. Your lessons are in your past. Your opportunities are in your future. How many adults, grown-ups, knows there's a lot of lessons in your past? but you still have opportunities in your future. Those life lessons were to get you here, to point you in a direction to get you there. Young people, the lessons you have learned in school, learn them, know them, but don't live life in yesterday. Live your best life today and take advantage of the opportunities that God puts in your path for the future. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. We have a lot of graduates. They're not here this morning with us. I think there's one, two, two. Okay, one, two. Any other? If you're a graduate, stand up. High school graduate, seniors just graduated, please stand up. Three, there we go. Amen. We thank God for you. My mom has a gift back there at the door. If she's, yeah, she got here just now. Yeah, my mom just got here. That's Bonnie back here. That's my mom. So high school graduates, make sure and see my mama because she got you a gift that she wants to give you on behalf of the church. I'm sure it will be, knowing her. Um, there's others. So if you have a kid that isn't here this morning, a child, they're not child anymore. They're graduates, so they're adultish. Um, see mom before you go. But I want us to pray over, pray a prayer of blessing over our graduates and over all those that are 
transitioning from student life to the wonderful blessings of adulthood. So if you would, if you just bow your heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for stories. We thank you for missionaries. We thank you for the life lessons that you've taught us. And God, I thank you for the opportunities that you lay before us. You say all throughout your word that you would go before us and you would prepare a way. God, I pray for these high school graduates that are transitioning from student life to adulthood. God, that you would go before them. That you would point them into the right direction and Lord, as they would trust in you. That they would do good. And that they would enjoy life in those good pastures. God, I pray that your word would just reside within their heart all the stories they've heard in children's church and in youth group and in church services. Jesus, you promised that as you would leave this earth in body, that you would send the Holy Spirit, that he would remind us of all things that have been spoken. Holy Spirit, we ask that you continue to abide with those teenagers that are transitioning. Be with them, lead them, guide them. Allow them to sense and know that you are good and that your perfect will will be placed before them. Give them peace of mind. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen.